Hello, and welcome to The Farcast. I'm Alex Helmbrecht, and joined here with my co-host, Daniel Binkert. Our guest today is professor of music, John Wojcik. Thanks for joining us, John. Appreciate sure you. Glad to be here. So let's just let's jump right into it. Sure, we're, sounds we're good. Coming sounds good. straight down the orchestra pit, and we want to jump on stage. <laughs> okay, so, sounds good. Sounds <laughs> good. Where did where did you grow up, and then where did your love of music okay. develop? Well, pardon me for being from Michigan. Okay, see, I got this right. Okay, I'm well acquainted to this because my wife is from Michigan. Good. Grew up right here on Lake. Mi- this is why I do this because right on the lake, little town called South Haven, Michigan, big resort area now. A lot of folks from Chicago, which isn't too far away, come over in okay. the summers. One of their fancy boats and everything. When I grew up, typical small town, though, right here on Lake Michigan, South Haven, and then uh, moved to uh, Kalamazoo. My dad got a job there when I was like six and did uh, grade school uh, and junior high in Kalamazoo, and then high school and college in Lansing, Michigan. Michigan State. Yep, Michigan nice. State. You got it right. The c- campus, big, be, the campus that's big enough to have its own zip code. There you go. Oh, wow. Yes, that's pretty and cool. Just made the Sweet Sixteen this weekend. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Congrats. <laughs> So where, where did your love of music kind of develop? Had it, had it always been there from when, when you were a child? Was there music in your home? Well, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, there was music in my home. My mom was actually a very, very good pianist. And uh, as she pursued that, she really would have done something with it, but she went into teaching uh, more of a general education, uh, teaching uh, elementary education. Uh, but terrific piano player. I loved hearing her play. And she, even though she didn't play very much anymore, she'd still get on the piano now and again, Christmas time or whatnot, and play a little bit. Very impressed with that. Um, when I was growing up, uh, I listened to music on the TV. For instance, uh, the Lone Ranger theme. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Rossini's uh, William Tell Overture. Bum, ba-da-dum, ba-da-bum, And I remember I can see myself sitting in front of the TV watching the Lone Ranger and listening to that. Uh, my mom and dad also had a few uh, recordings of like the Nutcracker Suite, 1812 Overture. And I just fell in love with that music as a kid. Um, when I went to uh, grade school, very fortunate to have a really fine band teacher that taught 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. And uh, Mr. Sanders was his name. And I'll never forget uh, um, that I wanted to play the clarinet at first. You know, what do you know when you're 12 years old, right? <laughs> so I figured, okay, clarinet, it's really cool the way you take the instrument apart in the little tiny case. Oh, yeah. That's the reason I wanted to play. So he sat me down one day and he said, John... I really need you to play trumpet. And I just went, okay, Mr. Sanders. <laughs> Gave me a cornet and the rest is history. <laughs> so a really fine um, elementary uh, middle school band teacher. Well, that's Mr. Um, Sanders. Yeah. What a testament to him. And I'm sure Very you're probably so. not the only student that he touched in that way. So. I don't think so. I think he touched a lot of students like that because the school was actually not that big. And we also had a pretty good size uh, middle school band. Yeah, oh, that's great. And it sounded yeah. pretty good. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I think at that age I did not know what a clarinet was. So <laughs> you were definitely ahead of the game. Ahead of the curve. Anyway. Okay. Uh, so, we, so you have musical degrees in three different decades, which is pretty cool. Um, I, I would almost want to ask, you know, how, how has music changed in those three decades? You know, how, how like teaching-wise, how did that change from when you first started until nowadays? Oh, well. Kind of a jumping off from what our original you know, question was. But. It's interesting. Um, yeah, when you uh, uh, you kind of gave me an idea of what you might ask, and you said, I saw you had degrees from three decades. I'm going, my first thought was, really? <laughs> I had to get up my resume and take a look at that. Um, music, I don't, the, uh, 
music has changed from the standpoint that from bands anyway, uh, when I was growing up, you played marches yeah. or arrangements of orchestral pieces. And so even as I speak, band literature is growing. I mean, pieces written, original pieces written for band. And the last right. 20 years, we've had some of the finest composers in the world, which is not always the case, loving the idea of writing for bands. And for instance, we yeah. played a piece uh, I'll probably mention later on, but uh, by a lady named Julie Giraud uh, called K2, which is a mountain that's almost as big as Everest, but is much more difficult to climb. And she just wrote about an experience that she had studied oh, yeah. about climbing that mountain. Hmm. An incredible <clears throat> piece written specifically for band. So music... Uh, you know, there's been the evolution of music. Of course, now electronics you find in music to a great right. extent. And people are still experimenting with electronics maybe since the 1960s, even earlier. Yeah. 1960s, I think, is when it really took off, but don't quote me on that. Um, and crazy stuff with electronics. But uh, there's one piece that we may be playing um, that actually we, uh, we contributed some money to the composer. Uh, in a, what's called a consortium, to have this piece written. You pay the composer to have the piece written. It's electronic, and it calls for the conductor to wear a click track. In other words, I would wear an earpiece, and it's click, click, right. click, click, okay. to make sure that the band is staying exactly with the electronics that hmm. are going on. And oh, I'm not quite ready to, I need to study that a lot more before we actually perform it, but... Um, so I don't. Does that answer your question? That does. Well? That does. I, okay. I, I, I definitely music, want to hear some music. perspective music on that. Music, yeah, you know? that's yeah. true. Yeah. So uh, and then the original part uh, part of our question was, how did you decide that music education was the right career path for you? Um, well, I went to college and was actually in pre law. Okay. And then I just had uh, first couple of three years of co well co first couple of years of college were just. Just not really sure what I wanted to do. And I was actually working as a law clerk at a law firm, which really don't be too impressed with. I was just the goal for run errands and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, but the head of the law firm, uh, Mr. Willingham, came to me one day and he looked at me and said, John, you want to be a lawyer, huh? I said, yeah, yeah. Of course, you think the gift of gab, you know, being up in the course, and your honor, this is why my client yeah, is guilty yeah. or why, why my client is innocent, why that client's guilty. And that's what people think about with law a lot of times to get them interested. And he looked at me and he said, it's a big grind. <laughs> and I thought about it and figured, you know, he's really right. Not that I wanted to stop being a lawyer at that time, but I'd always played my trumpet after high school, kept up with it. And I went to a... Uh, uh, dance one time, wedding reception, what have you. They had a little band there, and I hadn't played the trumpet really in two years after high school. So I got a chance to pick this trumpet up, and I'm playing. I'm going, you still got a lot of stuff left here. Oh, yeah. And so I decided my third year of college, I got involved with music, but then I need, I need some time off. So when I was 21, I got in a rock band and traveled around the Midwest for a full year, Got that out of my system, living out of a suitcase type thing. Yeah. I mean, no thanks. And went to Michigan State, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. So did you play trumpet in the band? I or? played trumpet and conga drums. Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> don't ask me to play conga drums. Please don't. You know, the next faculty to, recital. Leave that to special. Richard Poots, our percussion guy, and some of his students. Yeah. Surprise performance okay. at the end. Yeah. <laughs> right. Did okay. But I did trumpet. We had, we had a trumpet and a tenor sax. So we kind of did a little uh, wind section there. With cool. The yeah. Cool. Well, that kind of segues into the next uh, question because uh, you conduct uh, the wind symphony and the symphonic yes, band here correct. at CSC. Yes. 
maybe kind of explain what are those bands like? Maybe what are the differences between them? And then talk a little bit about maybe what are your goals for those performers? Okay. Uh, yeah, very good question. Um, I'll start with a community band. As you might think, that's uh, for anyone in the community. Uh, but we call it the CSC Community Symphonic Band because CSC students take part in that too. And I never want students on campus to think, well, I'm not really that serious of a musician to want to do the wind symphony uh, route. So yeah, but uh, community band's cool. Once a week, 7 to 8.30, um, and variety of people, ages, talent levels, but everybody is welcome, and it's a lot of fun teaching that group. Now, we get pretty serious. You know, what we play, we want to play well, mm -hmm. but for instance, that group, unlike the Wind Symphony, which does say more serious lit literature, for back of a letter term, uh, a more a clearer term right now, um, there will be more fun pieces, let's say, with the community band, um, uh, music, melodies, uh, movie melodies, um, musical mel medleys um, that uh, the community, and I say medleys, I think I said melody there, but medleys um, that that band plays. And so the goal with that group is to make sure there is a real element of fun with the music, but enough serious literature where you get to the serious side of playing and do the best you can to work it up to good performances. Um, the Wind Symphony is, of course, our top concert band. That's all of our music majors who will play a wind instrument or percussion are required to be in the Wind Symphony. We have so many semesters in the Wind Symphony. We play a degree higher of music. Uh, than we, well, we rehearse three times a week, only 50 minutes okay. a day, but we rehearse three times a week, whereas community band rehearses once a week. So a higher level of uh, music as far as difficulty goes. Uh, but you still want to keep the educational value there. Play a variety of music, because these are going a lot of music, our, our real pushover in our music department is music education. Education yeah. being very big on our campus mm -hmm. overall. So you want to present to those educators, composers and different types of music that they will remember when they're out there um, teaching their own students. Not that they'll play music that is as difficult, but a lot of those composers, which is really nice to have out there, many of these very fine world-class composers, they'll write for little kids too. And uh, terrific pieces on a very simple level. Oh, I bet. So. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. And I'm curious to know, like maybe the selection of pieces that mm -hmm. you want those two, those two bands to play. Is it kind of <laughs> contingent upon the makeup of the band itself? Partially, yes. And there actually are pieces, because um, right now we, we'd like to get more numbers in the community band, but honestly, a town of 6,000, we've got about 22 in the band right now and fairly good instrumentation. Uh, I'm really pleased with uh, the instrumentation in the band. But um, as far as the uh, selection of music goes, um, well, if you'd pre repeat your question again, I'm sorry. I, I just was curious about the pieces that you, mm -hmm. that you choose. Uh, is it contingent upon the makeup of the band, or do you go into, you know, this is 2023, we really want right. to perform this, this, and this, and, and sure. kind of teach to it, or, or how did, how's that selection process okay, well, in your the, mind? I, was just, I tell my students this regularly. Uh, picking music for a concert, you sweat blood over it if you're doing your job properly. What piece are you going to open with? How long? How difficult? The second piece, is it going to be a slower piece? Is it going to be a multi-movement piece? The third piece, and you go on and on picking out four or five, six pieces for the concert, maybe community band three or four pieces. Uh, what's going to work really well? What about the flow of the music? Um, a, a director of mine when I was in college once told me, select a piece for you as a conductor, select a piece for the kids that they'll enjoy for the students or the members of the ensemble, and pick a piece for the audience. Uh, 
Um, now we stay a little bit more serious with the wind symphony, of course, but mm -hmm. you can still cover all three of those areas very well, picking the more, say, serious literature. Uh, so it, you sweat blood when you're picking yeah, sure. that music. But a little bit more fun element with uh, community bands and a little bit more serious element with the wind symphony. And then, you know, maybe finally a plug for, for the community band. Mm -hmm. If someone hears this and is interested to, to contact you. Please do. Okay. Yes, contact me or contact the uh, music program uh, over at M. Hall, our OA, Val Graff. Contact one of the other faculty members. But yes, please contact me. My information is very easy to find on the on our uh, college website. And I'll put it in the show notes for this episode too. Great. Yeah. I mean, yes, please. If you, if you think you want to play, you'd like to play in the community band, but you don't think you're good enough, please come. We'll, we'll, if, a, if someone comes into the community band, they haven't played in a long time and they're embarrassed to play a note at all. I may just sit there. That's okay. Hopefully, the next rehearsal, they'll play two notes. Sure. And the next rehearsal, yeah. five notes. Before you know it, they're coming along well, just fine. And knowing you and, and some of the people who are involved with that, I, I know it's a very inviting atmosphere and certainly. Well, thank you. So. Good. I, I try. I hope that's the case, yes. Maybe Daniel Thanks. and I will show up in some Devo costumes. And there you go. <laughs> bring, and bring our keytars. Yeah. There you go. You know what? I tell you, see, ideas for performances, something like that could be an idea. Just have a gas, man. Put something crazy together. Let everybody have a blast, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned music education and education yes. in general being such a key piece of the CSC. Tell us a little bit about the classes that you teach and maybe, you know, what's real briefly, what's a day in the life of a music educator at the college level? Okay. Um, well, over, a, say, a two-year period, I teach a variety of courses. As, of course, you're probably familiar with probably every program on campus has a rotation of courses. This course is taught once every two years, this yeah. course every three years, what have you. Maybe a little bit more so in music, because uh, music is one of the busiest degrees. I think really only elementary education is the busier degree from music. In other words, the number of classes you're required to take. Yeah. Um, for instance, uh, I teach part of what's called our practicum course, uh, that I'll teach tomorrow about 9.30. And this particular practicum is low brass two. So last year we had low brass one where the students would play the trombone, uh, brass instruments, and they need to pass off the trumpet and the trombone. So low brass, last semester we started, as I mentioned, the trombone. And if somebody's already a trombone player, they might play euphonium or tuba. Okay. And then this semester is low brass two, where we just kind of continue where we left off with uh, low brass one. And so you teach, the idea there is that especially if somebody is not a brass player or if they're a trumpet player like me, you learn how to play trombone. Or a clarinetist, you learn how to play trombone. And then there are the practicum classes that Dr. Stevens teaches, our woodwinds person, Dr. Poots, our percussion person. Uh, everybody who's not a percussionist become familiar, familiar with percussion. And then with the woodwinds, I believe Dr. Stevens has them pass off flute and saxophone in particular. Okay. So a trumpet player learning sax. When I was in college, I took sax, I took cello, I took French horn, and a couple other instruments too to learn the basics of them, clarinet also. Wow. Yeah. So then other than that, I teach, uh, kind of look at a list here, um, instrumental conducting, which is literally teaching the motions of conducting and the test in that class, to give an idea, a better idea of what's going on, the test would be the students actually conduct and sing a musical excerpt while they are conducting. So they do those things simultaneously. Hmm. And the idea of singing the musical excerpt is to continue what they learned in theory where oral, A-U-R-A-L, right, the hearing part of theory, the oral part of theory, they actually have to learn to sing excerpts in theory. So we continue that with conducting them and add the element, no, you gotta just sing and conduct at the same time because we don't have a band in front of them. 
and to challenge them to keep that musical sense uh, in a very good place. Wow, those students do sound busy. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> they are busy. Holy smokes. Uh, I, but I also teach, uh, just real quickly, private lessons on brass. I'm the brass teacher here. Uh, music for the classroom teacher, which is a blast. I love it. It is elementary education students who learn how to incorporate music into their elementary classes. So the pressure's on me in that class. Mm. They don't have, it's required by the state to take the class, but they don't have to incorporate music into their classes at all. So the idea of the class for me is, is from beginning to the end, they have to do their assignments, et cetera, but to encourage them and have them become comfortable with, because there's a real discomfort if you're not, uh, say, a working musician, a uh, real discomfort in incorporating music mm-hmm. into a non-music class. How do you do it? And yeah. even this, as, as little as one, two, ready, go. You think anybody can do that? No, there's a great discomfort. When you're in front of a class and you're going one, two, ready, go, you've got to learn that simple conducting technique. You have to learn how to become really comfortable doing that. Right. So I'm having a blast with that class and hopefully encouraging our elementary education students to incorporate music into their non-music classes. Create a memorable <laughs> lesson for that particular day in a student's mm-hmm. life. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, yeah what, that's what I'm hoping for, right? Uh, a couple other classes I teach, um, instrumental music methods, which very simply is how to be a band director off the podium, which is a lot. Marching band techniques, which is part of Jeremy Quick teaches our, our uh, music technology course, and then I have a an uh, eight short classes as part of that course that I teach marching band drill writing to these students. Um, so that basically covers uh, my... That's just one day. Yeah, Tuesday. No, yeah. So, uh, you know, with the rotations and whatnot, for instance, let's see, gosh, uh, I'm not going to remember all this, but uh, uh, Mondays uh, I teach um, at 9 o'clock, I teach music elementary classroom. To, uh, 10 o'clock, I teach instrumental conducting. Then 5 o'clock, I teach the wind symphony. So Monday is a pretty open day for me. Yeah. Tuesday, I teach a practicum course. Um, that night is the uh, community band, Tuesday night, 7 to 30, of course, folks. Um, please join us. And uh, then we have you know meetings that we're obligated to go to. We have student recital on Tuesdays at four, where not every Tuesday, but our students who periodically, who are taking private lessons, or music majors, will play for their peers and learn how to deal with performing in public. And then, of course, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is the same, and uh, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday is one symphony at five. Eagle Band gets in there. And yeah. uh, Fridays, three to five, during the seasons, uh, we're no longer performing the rest of the semester. The uh, probably roughly 50 hours they put in at the beginning of the semester with basketball games and rehearsals, I yeah. think, yeah. they've kind yeah, they're, their covered. Time. Yeah. they're covered. They're yeah. covered for the, for the one credit they uh, they get for that class. But a lot of fun teaching that. I I, I thoroughly enjoy teaching. Excellent. Really enjoy yeah, yeah. That's great. So we kind of mentioned a little bit about the band, uh, and this is mainly my question as a non-musician. Oh, okay, okay. Um, <clears throat> but are, are there a certain <laughs> number of participants or uh, maybe a, a certain number of instruments that need to be included to be considered a band? Well, you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you've got the uh, piccolo. Generally, one piccolo in a band, sometimes two, but one piccolo. Uh, some pieces are written for two piccolos. Okay, so, uh, but just the basic piccolo, flute one, flute two. And you, most of these, not all, but most of these need multiple players on them, like maybe two, three people to a part for a full band. Wind, wind ensemble would be one to a part, but piccolo, flute one and two, uh, oboe, bassoon, clarinet one, two, three, bass clarinet, um, alto sax, Tenor sax, 
Barry sax, trumpet one, two, three, horn, French horn, one, two, three, four, trombone, one, two, three, uh, baritone, tuba, and there's so much percussion now being written, excuse me, for percussion sections nowadays in band music in particular, uh, six percussionists is really what you need. So wow. numbers yeah. at least into the 40s and really just uh, getting over that 50 mark, 52, 53, 54 maybe for a true full band. So it's a sizable amount of people. Sizable yeah. amount of people, right. <clears throat> right. So I, I may have even asked you this in a conversation once upon a time, but uh, I'm always, always interested in the logistics of it to get um, string sections. Okay. And I know it seems at a school of our size, we don't necessarily have a band that includes string sections. No. What, what goes in? Like, what are the numbers needed for that? How big of a school do you need to get to before you have that? Because the reason mm -hmm. I ask is purely selfishness. I want to hear sure. not just Beethoven uh, symphonies, but right. some like John Williams music uh, sure. on these performances sure. with the strings. Yeah. No, that's a very good question. Um, uh, strings are really what started instrumental music. You know, you came along with the voice, and the voice was developed. And in fact, way early on, when the Catholic Church, way back in the Middle Ages, uh, was kind of in charge of how things went with society, um, they didn't allow instruments in church. Okay. And instru instrumentals were kind of looked down upon uh, during that time period, uh, kind of lower elements of society. So the first time the church said, well, okay, we'll take that instrument, was the violin because it has such a singing quality right. to it. Okay. So strings have been around for, I mean, a long, I mean, thousands of years, string instruments really, and uh, hundreds of years may be uh, a little more accurate, but uh, um, you do need, unfortunately, basically a lot, the larger systems will have the orchestras. For instance, uh, the larger systems near us, Rapid City, um, I can't speak to Stevens, but I believe, yes, they, Stevens has an orchestra and Central definitely has an orchestra because I've experienced before. So they've got like a big enough student body to accommodate yeah, the that, positions? Yeah, that's, that's essentially it. Okay. Uh, to have a full-size orchestra, you need, uh, you have, uh, for the strings only, you have for, of course, then the winds, you know, are just a smaller group, a uh, small band with the winds right. and percussion. Um, you have uh, first and second violins and uh, the larger orchestras in the world will have 20 of each, like 21st violins, 22nd violins. videos violins. like that, at least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 10 violas, which is wow. kind of, I, I don't mean to say, uh, make anybody mad at this, but uh, the viola is kind of like a, a violin with a thyroid condition, okay? <laughs> it's kind of just a much larger violin. Sorry, I didn't mean to, hopefully, little joke there. Um, and then uh, about maybe 10, 12 violas, um, you know, my number's give and take here, of course. Uh, cellos, about the same, maybe eight cellos, and then string basses, six, seven, eight string basses. So you do need, uh, and I say unfortunately, um, only the larger systems really have uh, enough resources available to them with teachers and students that they could field a uh, full orchestra. Right. And of course, you know, medium-sized schools might have you know, ten, 10 violins, two violas, two cellos, uh, two basses, mm -hmm, something yeah. like that. And, that. and that can be a very you know, successful orchestra. I want to say it seems like we may have had student recitals where they might have done, they might have had enough to do a quartet for a, a piece, but that's, that's going back a few years now. I don't know. That, I'm not sure what's be, been going on recently. Do, do we have a lot of students that are playing strings? Um, there probably are some on campus. We have one young lady, Tamisha Sherman, who is a violinist. Okay. And she is actually, uh, she uh, kind of joined late, so she couldn't join us for the concert, to, uh, concert tomorrow evening. Oh, which I want to put a plug into our concert tomorrow evening. Uh, but she actually plays violin. She plays the flute part yeah. in the community band, and she's part of the flute section. Multi-talented. Yes. All right. That's great. Yeah, let's see. Where are we at here? Um, 
So, okay, let's dive in here. You play the trumpet. Yes, and can you tell us a little bit more about that instrument? And uh, I think you've mentioned some of the other instruments you play. Yeah, if there's anything, yes, anything okay. more you, that uh, the audience sure. should know about this stuff. Well, Dan, first, uh, Daniel, first off um, on the trumpet, um, this is an accurate statement, but the, so I play the trumpet, and hands down, it's, it's the greatest instrument in the world. Uh, <laughs> no two ways about it. So, uh, it's uh, yeah, like m- most instruments, it's a very versatile instrument. Yeah. Uh, trumpets are an integral part of the concert band, they're an integral part of the symphony orchestra, and then there are many chamber groups that fit the, uh, the trumpet's role. For instance, uh, my, actually, my actual favorite playing scenario is the brass quintet. Two trumpets, French horn, trombone, and tuba. Okay. Uh, you can play as loud as you want to, as soft as you want to. There's more, uh, say, obligation to you for uh, playing a lot more than, say, in a concert band where you're going to be resting a lot more, of course. Uh, but there's the brass quintet, other chamber groups that the trumpet can take part of. Um, you know, it can play uh, very low and get some really beautiful tones down low. And, of course, uh, every male, anyway, knows about the screech part of the trumpet because that's, you know, <laughs> hey, how do you play trumpet? Loud and high, man. Yeah, let's go for it, you know, oh, that, that male, uh, male part of it. But quite honestly, <clears throat> in my lifetime, uh, earlier on, quite earlier on, it was uh, mainly a, a male instrument, considered a male instrument. Okay. Well, as females came into playing the trumpet more and more often, um, I remember, I'll never forget it. I don't remember where I was, but I'll never forget the sound. I was walking by a practice room or something, heard a young lady, I think a peer of mine, playing the trumpet, and I went, wow, she's playing that really beautifully. That is really musical. Maybe there's something more to the trumpet than just playing loud and Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, really, the, our, our female trumpet players brought a real distinctive, to me anyway, musical quality to playing the trumpet that I think is really helped to quite an extent. Fantastic. Yeah. And do you play any other instruments? Well, I, you have to learn the basics, uh, basically all the band instruments, although I didn't learn oboe or bassoon, but I did. I took a uh, class in clarinet, class in French horn, class in trombone. And if you take a class in trombone, you figure pretty much you can do the tuba and baritone, okay? You know, because tuba and Baritone are both uh, valve instruments like the trumpet, just calls right. for a lot more air. In fact, to play the tuba, if you don't mind me getting off track a little bit, which I like to do, by the way, um, playing the tuba, say, well, Dr. Wojcik, how do I play this tuba? I say, stick as much of your face in that mouthpiece and blow as much <laughs> air as you possibly can. And quite honestly, that's it. Um, so does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Get the whole variety there. <laughs> so, more so than you were. No, there, there's always more. There's always more to discuss. Nothing sure, wrong with that. Sure. So, John, you're you're you've been a um, very active on the homecoming committee mm. that I also thank you um, serve on, and yes. you've done a really nice job the last few years, in particular, bringing back. Um, Middle age or middle school mm-hmm. or high school students to, yes. to march in the college's homecoming parade. Sure. How rewarding uh, is it to get those younger students on campus and then to kind of build out? Because CSC has a pretty good track record and a nice history of, mm-hmm. of welcoming bands to Agreed. perform. Yes. Uh, so, what are you kind of build? What are you trying to build toward? Well, I think the more students we get on campus, the better, the positive experience we can give them. For instance, um, I pass out some of the music that our Eagle Band plays. And I'll tell the bands that come is when you join us at halftime, you can play some of your own music. If you want to be featured on a tune, we'll have you featured on one of your tunes that you've worked up. And some of these bands are marching bands, so they'll play one of the tunes uh, they play out from their marching band show. And... uh, 
Then I'll also tell them, uh, join the Eagle Band as many of the tunes as you feel comfortable playing. And the next step to that is maybe picking out a few really easy, easy tunes that everybody can play. Won't take much time to put together because they've got their obligations at their schools. You know, three or four tunes maybe, haven't really decided yet, but... Uh, Send that music, purchase that music, send that music to them. Of course, it's edu you have to be careful with copyright, but you send music out, it just has to be destroyed after the performance. Okay, so do you want to put a plug in there for copyright? But um, uh, And then have, so everybody can play at the same time with the Eagle Band, but it seems to be a very positive experience. Um, I've gotten real good comments back, and part of the reason I feel good about it is we've had returning bands from year to year. And three years ago, we had three bands with 40 people. Uh, two years ago, we had 10 bands with 250. And last year, we had 11 bands with 250. And one band, it was a couple bands really small, just brought in a few kids. But it's been very rewarding, Alex, mm -hmm. really very, very rewarding. And I just, I hope to see the numbers continue at that level. And if you don't mind my putting in a thanks to um, admissions, and this is originally from Tara Hart, uh, when uh, my second year of doing this, I called admissions. I said, look, we've got all these kids coming now. It looks like 250 kids coming. Um, let's get admissions involved. And they said, well, how do you just want us to get involved? I said, you know, I don't know specifics, but let's kind of just put our heads together. Anyway, Tara Hart came to my office one day and she's thinking, she goes, well, John, how about if we give them all free lunch? I went, sure. Everyone likes lunch. Yeah. <laughs> well, John, how about if we give them all a free t-shirt? All from admissions. Admissions paying for this. I'm going, yeah. <laughs> be really good. So definitely a plug to admissions, Alex. Yeah, definitely. That they have really helped bring these kids to campus. Wonderful. And I've already gotten the go-ahead from uh, uh, Tammy Selby to uh, let these uh, uh, bands, or when I put up the invitation, say you'll be provided free lunch and uh, free T-shirts. Oh, again. that's great. Yeah. I think, oh, yeah. um, you know, you, you, you alluded to it a little bit ago about um, playing during some of the athletic contests at home. Yes. Uh, but I think bands just add <clears throat> such a, a wonderful atmosphere, whether it's to a parade or, mm -hmm. or to a sporting event or, or whatever, yeah. that is, is just really great. And when it's not there, you notice it. Mm -hmm. And it's, mm -hmm. it, but when it is there, it makes it more enjoyable. Yeah. Well, so, I'm really glad to hear you say yeah, that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've heard that many, many times from many people. And it's, I never get tired of hearing that. That yeah. we, even though you know we're a secondary element, if the band's not there, they still play the game, and they might sure. play as well or better than they did if the band were there. You know, you just don't know. Um, but to be a part of that is a lot of fun, mm -hmm. and uh, it's just uh, really good to hear. People, when the people say to me, I mean, no matter how many times I've heard it, that the band adds such a nice quality to the athletic events. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's a good addition to the broadcast. You know, we get a timeout, and that's um, a nice element. Oh, I can yeah, get, get, right. grab a close up of right. the drummer, or ideally somebody yes. uh, hammering on a yes. cowbell. That's that's yeah. my favorite. <laughs> well, and I appreciate that too, Dan. Since you yeah. do the videos for the games, Daniel, you do yeah. get that band featured every night. Well, it's nice to show up on the national board. anthem, get you guys for that yeah. at the very least. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Definitely. Yes. Um, so, the next question is memor what's something memorable and places or pieces so let's start with places like where was a fun place to perform for you maybe in those uh, road roadhouse days of youth <laughs> <laughs> yeah we played some interesting places uh, you know kind of a rock band just traveling across the uh, across the midwest a little bit and um, we uh, some some places were set up uh, very professionally with a really nice stage and yeah. other places just kind of crammed in a quarter in a little uh, uh, corner, I should say. It's a, cor a little corner there, a little uncomfortable. Um, I remember one place we played, the stage was like almost 20 feet off the floor. Wow. And then you were 
push back, mm. and then it was a big kind of almost warehouse area, area okay. where people came in and danced. So that was a lot of fun. And I'd say from places, those are the most memo- uh, memorable. But there's one other place I like to throw a plug in, uh, plug in for that, uh, not a plug really, but a place that, where I performed. It was really quite fascinating. Is years ago, a friend of mine called me and said, John, I'm taking a tour of Northwest America, United States, and I need a trumpet player with my band yeah. this summer. You want to come along for a week or two? I said, yeah, sure. We were uh, knew each other from uh, um, college days, and uh, Bill Carson was his name. Um, anyway, one of the places we performed was at the foot of Mount Washmore. Nice. We have a very nice atmoth- a- uh, amphitheater yeah, down there. Yeah. And it was a really fun playing there. It was not for 4th of July or any special day, just, hey, we're on tour. Can we play at the at Mount Rushmore? I said, sure, we're open and uh, performed there. So it was quite rem- memorable. And, of course, they, they were, all the guys were up there, you know. <laughs> Big yeah, audience. Yeah, yeah could, <laughs> couldn't see them. But still, knowing that, you know, that incredible Yeah, that's a good backdrop. Was, <laughs> yeah, what's your backdrop? Yeah, that, was pre- that was pretty incredible. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's neat. So then the other half of the question is, yeah, what are some of the memorable pieces that you've played or that, yeah, kind of maybe something that's sure. always a good go-to, always a comfortable play, piece to play again? Oh, comfortable. Okay, comfortable piece to play again. That's interesting. Um one of the most memorable pieces, and, and not to say a comfortable piece, because you really have to work this up tremendously, yeah. but when I was doing my master's degree, which was in trumpet performance, uh, the first piece I opened with was called the Artunian Trumpet Concerto, and the composer was Artunian. He wrote it for a very famous uh, Russian trumpet player at the time called Dim- Timothy Dachschitzer, and uh, wrote it for him, but it took the trumpet world by storm, and I had the honor of opening my graduate recital with that piece and I really felt a real connection with that piece there was a comfort level there I mean you know master's recital a lot of work going into it yeah and uh, if I'm going to play that again I'd say okay give me about three months yeah and nice I'll, I'll get back <laughs> in on that. but that's always been memorable that's quite a while ago I was in a community orchestra that uh, was terrific in Enid Oklahoma about 40,000 in the town and we brought up string section from Oklahoma City okay um to help augment our orchestra. And we did a piece uh, by Anton Bruckner, his fourth symphony. Uh, it's about an hour in length. Bruckner lived in the 19th century. And figure, uh, you know, uh, Beethoven on steroids almost. Oh, I mean, just yeah, uh, very nice. I mean, brass like crazy. And at one time in this orchestra, we actually had every member of the, of the, wood, of the wind section had a master's degree in music. So we were able to access some pretty good stuff. And mm-hmm. that, putting, that small orchestra, putting that Bruckner's Fourth together was really exciting. And then, of course, I mentioned uh, brass quintet music. Yeah. A lot of great music with brass quintet. As far as, far as pieces that I like, um, this might be off track a little bit, but occasionally in town, Joe Richling, the band director at uh, Shadron High School and uh, trumpet player, um, Joe for years has played taps at military funerals along okay. with the Honor Guard, our VFW Honor Guard. And uh, it was getting so busy one summer, uh, or during periods playing, he said, John, can you help me out and play? So the last couple of years I played taps at military funerals, and it's always a moving experience. Yeah. Of course, the setting, you know, you're uh, honoring someone who has passed. Um, and it's just, it's a beautiful, simple tune that I absolutely love playing. In fact, I had the honor of playing it when 9-11, two years ago, landed right on a home football game. Mm-hmm. Right. I had the honor of playing yeah. taps uh, during the halftime ceremonies. And uh, it's, it never ceases to move me. And I think move those who are listening to Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. I mean, there are people sometimes, they're just, you see them in tears. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
in, in a very good way, yeah. releasing, releasing the emotion, especially if it's at a funeral. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's maybe the most that's memorable great. piece that if you had a piece, you could repeat over and over and over and over again. That'd probably be it. Yeah, yeah, the simplicity, really. Yes, probably. Yes. It seems almost inappropriate to ask, but um, I'll ask it anyway. Are there any uh, guilty? <laughs> we have a lot in common. Are there any guilty pleasure pieces? Uh, that <laughs> maybe you'd only play in the privacy of your own home. <laughs> uh, um, I'd say uh, there's some uh, rock music that people might yeah. be interested that I would. Yeah. I, I enjoy that. If somebody's hearing it, they'd be going, "Would you please turn that off? <laughs> turn that off, please?" In fact, I, when I uh, when I exercised at a previous job I had, it was a communal exercise area for the faculty at a different uh, school a number of years ago, and I had this uh, friend of mine t- put together uh, an exercise tape for me. And it wasn't your pretty classical stuff, which is great. Yeah. Technically, um, exercising the Mozart is really beneficial. Oh, yeah. With a steady beat or whatnot, that yeah. Mozart has. But this particular piece, it was just crazy rock music. And somehow that tape disappeared. And I'm not mm. sure who took it, but I think it was one of the people I worked with that said, yeah, They just weren't feeling it, huh? Rid of that. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, you know, I wouldn't play it loudly or anything when other people <laughs> were in the room. So I figured there were their own tastes, but... Uh, uh, just it came up missing. Bang. <laughs> you know, we, we need some variety in our, like, in our weight room music. So that is probably my secret. All right. Some <laughs> of the stuff I listen to that's not, you know, stoic and classical and Beethovenish and et cetera. Probably like, why is this trumpet guy listening to seven string guitars with drop D <laughs> tuning? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a big tune. I love it. Oh, yeah. That's great, man. Louder. Turn up the volume. <laughs> So uh, you, you mentioned exercising. <laughs> I, I know that you like to do that outside of work because yes, I, I think do. I live near you. I often right. see you <laughs> walking around the track right, or, right. Yes. or walking your dogs. Sure, sure. Um, what else do you like to do outside of work? Well, I like to read. Uh, I like to read a lot. Uh, I generally alternate between a nonfiction book and a fiction book. Um, like two books ago, I read uh, actually a book on the Gettysburg, Battle at Gettysburg, that was written by a general but the book was written in like 1940 and then had like nine or ten uh, more editions of it made. And uh, I'd, I'd read some materials about Gettysburg in the past, and uh, I was just fascinated. It was, it was the most detail I'd ever read about the battle and the most I learned about it. So I just kind of show an intro. Sure. I'm a history buff. Yeah. So especially I'll read a nonfiction book about history. And, of course, a lot of history is war. <laughs> yeah. And then I just finished a book. Uh, my nonfiction choice was, was a Dean Kuntz book. And I've read about a good number of his books. And Dean Kuntz, of course, a science fiction kind of thriller, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the typical New York best-selling author. Yeah. And uh, I think it was Dark, The Dark Blue Sky, it was called, but pretty interesting book. So I'll alternate nonfiction, fiction, and generally I read mostly when I'm about ready to in bed and yeah. turn the lamp on and read uh, it. Boy, I tell you what, it re- I'm reading all of a sudden the eyes are going, well, okay, I'll stop to stop. Yep. And boy, you fall right asleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So you said uh, you've read uh, a, re- a reasonable number of Dean Coons? Yeah, actually, I think uh, I like to keep track of the books I read. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I, just, I find uh, if yeah. I don't, then okay, I'll try. Yeah. Right. Are, are, uh, are, are you among us uh, still waiting for the third Moonlight Bay book 20-odd years now? You know what? I'm not... Christopher Snow, the oh. they have to he can only go out at night. That's a that's a Dean Kuntz book. Yeah, he he's written two of them back in the late nineties. Uh, uh, I need to get that information from you. Oh I, sure, I, sure. I haven't read those. Yeah, um, I read the Odd books. I've read uh, yeah. one of those. I think uh, I, I, I need to catch up. Yeah, those I read all four. Okay, that, that was it. Might have been a fifth. They kind of put online or something. But I read yeah. the four Odd books. Terrific stuff. And then he did that series. I don't remember the name, but it was a lady. 
and the and the story was five volumes. Okay. And it was just an amazing. I mean, holy cow! I, yeah, I think incredible. I've I've heard the reference. I haven't read any of those, but that's okay. that's one of the more recent series that he's done, isn't it? Very recent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So last ten years or so. Right. Right, but man, I mean, five books. And oh yeah, yeah. You kind of wish he, he'd finished some of those earlier ones that he'd started. Yes, if he can do five yes. of this or four yeah, of that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, let, let me get that info from. Oh sure, sure. The, when we're done here. So we're getting close to the end now, John. Okay. We're on to our quick-hitting questions. Oh, okay. uh, what's one of your favorite movies? Ben-Hur. Oh, I love Ben-Hur. All right, Charlton Heston, though. <laughs> yeah. Charlton Heston, right? I haven't seen the recent ones. Okay. I mean, just the no. soundtrack alone for Ben-Hur, I love that. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I, I refuse to watch the recent Ben-Hur that was oh, put out there. I've had no desire Charl- to. It's not Charlton Heston. Forget it. Ain't yeah. That's <laughs> some good <laughs> Mark music in that movie. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. Very good music. Um, yeah. Uh, Miklos. Uh, Rosa. I can't. Rosa. I'm not sure. Miklos Rosa wrote the score, and he was a very famous uh, yeah. uh, composer for uh, films in Hollywood for many, many years. Terrific score in that. Be a lovely storyline. I'm trying to think line. what other films he did. I because that's the only one I can oh, remember boy, that he scored. Ask me. Um, I can't tell you, but he did a yeah, he did a large number of mu- of uh, movies. Did he do westerns at all? Boy, you know, I you're really catching me on that one. I'm gonna have to look him up, and yeah, I, 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 I need to expand yes. my Rosa Horizons. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but he wrote a number of. Uh, uh, he wrote for a number of movies that won Academy Awards. Yeah, uh, for his music. See, I'm drawing a complete blank because I know I've seen his I name associated I with some of those too, other right. famous movies, yeah. and I, I just can't remember. I am too. Right. That's good stuff. What about what's a hidden talent? Okay, here's my hidden talent. Uh, I don't know if it's that much of a talent now, but when I was in high school, I played a little basketball. Yeah. And one time during practice, you're just gonna have to believe me on this. I shot 54 free throws in a row without missing one. Well done. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. Now, you know, I could probably make it three or four or five. Times. That's still doing good. Yeah, I don't know that I'd trust myself to get to two in a row. But I might have to practice to get up to that one. Yeah, again. I don't even know if I'd be, if I shot 100, if I'd yeah. make 54. So, good job. So yeah. I don't know if that's a hidden talent, but uh, no, that it counts. was a talent that at one time I did have at one practice. <laughs> yeah. uh, what is the best piece of advice that you received when you were a college student? I'd say never give up. Yeah. You know, uh, you're going to have those days where you, we all know this, right? Everybody I'm speaking to, that's uh, even college students, that day you get up, you're going, I just don't want to do this anymore. You know? And so I come back to, um, I, this isn't so much advice, but what makes me get out of bed besides the never give up? Well, why never give up? And I'll sit there and I'll go, okay, you idiot. You don't want to go in today, you know? And yeah, it's, it's an obligation. It's work. There's a work element yeah. to it. Besides the many rewards that are there to keep you going. But it's got to go, hey, idiot, why'd you, why'd you get into music? Why are you a teacher? I love to direct bands, and I love to play my trumpet. Are you still doing that? That's my other person talking to me yeah. over here. Yeah. yeah, I'm still doing that. Okay, jackass, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Quit crying. Yeah. Quit complaining. Yes, you have to attend this meeting. You have to do this. You've got to do this project. That's part of the game. Shut up and keep enjoying yourself. Yeah. So. It's <laughs> but true. Ne- but it's never true. give up. There, never. there could be a lot worse things to do uh, uh, on this given day. Exactly. Very much so. Yep. Very much so. Yeah, oh, well said. Also, advice, I just remembered this, this moment. Ken Bloomquist, my um, college band director who just passed away in the late 80s a couple of years ago, he once said, I don't know if it was just to me or it was the class, but he said, the day that I stop learning something new about this business I'm going to retire. So be a lifelong learner. Oh, never, yeah. never, never yeah. stop learning something new. Yeah. Yeah. That helps. 
Yeah. Intellectual curiosity is a good thing. Intellectual yeah. curiosity yeah. is a good thing, yep. right? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, John, do you have a, a favorite uh, musician or maybe composer? Um, well, uh, yeah, a couple. Um, uh, if I really, you know, that old question, if you're put in a room and you'd listen to one piece of music, a composer, who would it be? And that was rather common uh, knowledge for everyone, but uh, Beethoven. Mm -hmm. Probably probably the music of Beethoven. And if it was one piece, probably his Fifth Symphony. Just a terrific piece of music to me. Um, I a, think I've heard of him. <laughs> a little known <laughs> oh, very good. European yeah, high five, composer. High five, okay. high five Alex. Okay. I'm really uh, proud of myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, Carlo Muti, was, is, okay. he's 82 years old, currently the director of the New York Philharmonic, and just an incredible musician to watch conduct. We talk about the nonverbal side of conducting. Um, that we're, I think we were speaking mm -hmm. about before the actual podcast, but um, incredible to watch this guy direct. Just love watching him direct. Incredible musician. Then a gentleman who really got me turned on to the trumpet and kept me going when I was in high school was a gentleman named Rafael Mendez, who was of Mexican descent. Uh, lived, I believe he lived in the United States, though. Uh, just an incredible, incredible trumpet player and I would listen to recordings of him while I was playing solitaire. Yeah. And just, just an incredible, incredible musician. But those are, yeah. those are three that came to mind. Uh, kind of diverting a little bit, but only because you mentioned Mount Rushmore. Okay. Who are the trumpet players on the Mount Rushmore of trumpet players? Oh, oh. wow. Well, <laughs> um, definitely Rafael Mendez. Um, there's a gentleman now who's probably pushing his 60s, Alan Vizzuti, who is a very fine uh uh, trumpet player, but he's in about his 60s. Um, Doc Severinsen, who just quit touring in his 90s, uh, played for, boy, 34 years, incredible. Um, Wynton Marsalis. Um, Finally, a name I'm uh, familiar yes, with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Wynton Marsalis is of African-American descent, and he was the first really African-American come through and just bust through playing all of the classical literature on trumpet, you name it. He mastered that trumpet, and then he went very strongly into jazz. And he's now the leader of the, um, I forget the, the actual uh, formal title of it, but the jazz band at the Lincoln Center for the uh, Juilliard School of Music. But he's an incredible music educator, incredible player. So those are some of the big-name trumpet players that you know come to mind immediately. Nice. Oh, uh, Bud Herseth, sorry. Bud Herseth, Adolf Herseth the first chair player in the Chicago Symphony Orchestra for many, many, many years, probably, maybe to this day, the world's greatest symphonic trumpet player and uh, just amazing, kind of grew up with him also. He passed quite some time ago. Okay. Well, that's our fifth face on the mountain then. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to add it. Yep. <laughs> got to add yeah, it. Yeah, I think that would be very fair, oh, trumpet yeah. player up there. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that, yeah. So the final question okay. is, what word comes to your mind when you think of Shadron State College? That was probably the easy one. You gave me a list of questions earlier, Daniel. Um, and thank you for doing this, by the way. Um, but that was the easiest question to answer, I'd say family. Yep. Yeah. True enough. Family. You learn, you meet so many people. Uh, I've known Alex, how long mm -hmm. we know each other. How yeah. long have we known each other? We live pretty close to mm -hmm. each other. And we're not in the same area at all. Um, but it, you, you meet people across campus yeah. in all different fields, even sta you know, even staff. I want to say even staff, you know, just not just faculty, but just people that work at this campus. Um, you get to know them, you yeah. know, and you get to trust them, and they help you out in any way, shape, or form they can. They yeah. bend over backwards for you, and hopefully I do the same. 
for my colleagues, but yeah, family. Yeah, it, it is always nice going through, you know, if, if I'm going through M. Hall to another place or, mm-hmm. you know, any of these buildings, yeah, you're guaranteed to see somebody that you're happy to see that day. Yes. You've got a few right. minutes to chat with them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's a good thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Right. Well, that wraps it up for us. John, thanks again for coming yeah, in great. and joining us today. Yeah, thanks thank for having you. me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. You bet.